Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty little podcast about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. With your hosts, Maggie Baxter, an atheist turned evangelical, and Nick Vu, an evangelical turned atheist. Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty dirty little podcast podcast. about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. Yeah. With your hosts. I'm Nick. I'm Nick Vu. <laughs> Are you an evangelical turn and atheist? I'm an evangelical turn atheist. <laughs> and Maggie Baxter, an atheist turn evangelical-ish. Ish. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And if you haven't, go back to that episode where we're like, we're not really. Yeah, we're things. not those things. But, I mean, they're an important part of where we come from. You are wearing the same shirt that you were wearing the day that I thought you had a chest tattoo today. Does it still look like I have a yes. chest tattoo? Maybe Only I a little just bit. Steal one. Yeah, do it. I'll do it. Can can you hear my zipper through the It's really really good fully work. <laughs> <laughs> this is audio gold. <laughs> yeah, what's up Maggie? Hey. What's good? Welcome to the podcast zone. On Are you finishing no, that's, that's it? it. Welcome to the podcast zone. Oh, podcast zone. I thought you said the podcast on. Oh, the dot, podcast dot, dot, on, on Earth, question, planet Earth. Questions and answers, Q&As. Oh, uh, yeah. We're you, doing something different today. Oh, shit. We didn't look at the uh, email oh, address. Fucking Do you, fuck. I was sitting in the back of sipping on a minty drink. I saw a girl standing there. She was mowing the lawn. Hey. I said, hey, Zazik, who's this girl back here? That's the lawn, my girl. What's she doing? Are you able to access that? I don't think Did you're gonna have to tell me the password on air. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's come here. I need you. <laughs> you want to explain that while I look up the email? Yeah. So come here. <laughs> Would they, the, wait, okay. they know. Okay, so they know how to get into our shit now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I ex- I can't explain it, I mean, we're going to beep that out, obviously. How but. about come here, I knowed you? <laughs> That's come what here, it really I, is. I don't need you. I don't need you. Oh, shit. Explain it while I'm trying to add a mailbox to my phone. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to keep this story in. <laughs> and not dox ourselves? Yeah. And not give everybody our email passwords. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's a line from Tenacious D. Okay. And yep. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What's the other guy besides Jack Black? His name is Gage. Kevin Gage. KG. KG. Yeah. KG, come here. Yeah, so <laughs> on the album, like in one of the skits in between the songs, he's like, come here, I need you. And so Maggie and I, when we lived together, we would yell that to each other. It's true. And it's a very meaningful statement. And now, now, we're, and now we're gonna have forever. to change our password. Now we're gonna have to change all our passwords. Wait, to, wait, wait, wait. Let's change them to password. Okay. Or one, two, three, four, five. We've already done it, so don't try and get into our email address. Should we give them our switcheroo bank account number? Uh-huh. And routing number? Yeah, and access to our website. So you can write us each web address. Yeah. Or Venmo us. Oh yeah. Venmo, Venmo us. <laughs> We could use some money. I could. I guess. 
<laughs> it says <laughs> inbox one security alert a new sign in on apple phone that's the only email we have in our inbox is that wow. i just signed into our email okay cool so super active it's <laughs> blowing thanks up. a lot you guys <laughs> Last time we talked about being love warriors, but now I'm feeling a little are you, are like you a hate warrior. I'm a salty warrior. Salty, the saltiest warrior. I'm the saltiest. I'm the salty seas buccaneer. That's okay, because we reached out and we got some great questions from you, the listeners. Yeah, and you, the former guests. Yeah, a lot of former guests. Apparently, people have things they want to know about. Yeah, so this is a new format for this podcast. For the day, we're going to do a crazy little question answer time, and you'll get a little shout out if you asked a question or sent in a question. Yeah, and, and we'll give you a sticker. Yeah, and we'll fart on your pillow. Just kidding. We wouldn't gross. do that. That's real We gross. don't know you, where you live. <laughs> you know where we live now. In our email address. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. And if you're inspired, why don't you send us some questions of your own? We might not do another one of these for a little bit, but it's nice to have the questions lined up. Yeah. And also to have context for what we might talk about in future episodes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Maybe this will inspire future conversations. Nick, do you want to start us off? Read us a question. Okay. I'll read us a question. Unless you want to talk about like how you're doing. I'm doing pretty well. I have my first music gig, which yes, is very yes, exciting. Yes, yes, I've yes. been playing for about a year and just totally obsessed. And what, so I'm what's doing your some, instrument? Some ambient synth. That's what I do modular synth, which is probably the geekiest way to make music. And cool. I'm into it. If you love spreadsheets, you would probably it's enjoy modular synth. But I'm going to be using an Omnichord, which is kind of like an auto harp out of the 80s. I've seen them. They're really hard to find and yeah, very expensive they're blowing up and yeah the prices are just skyrocketing mm -hmm. on those and i'm running that through the microcosm effects pedal which That's is really very cool. do you know the microcosm mm -hmm. it makes lots of angelic background textural atmospheric things Amazing. and so it's a really good pairing those two okay objects is it kind of like doing acid and whippets <laughs> They go together like acid and whippets. Yeah. <laughs> According to Dwayne. According to Dwayne. Okay. Yeah. Or chocolate and banana. Mm, Those go really well together, too. I don't know about that one. Chocolate okay. and peanut butter, yes. Oh, yeah. That's also great. Okay. Very good. Fair. I'm not allowed to talk about how my day has been because you have- Do you have an NDA? You have ba no, you've banished the one word that what I would use to describe my day. From this, from this podcast. Oh, I, I said we... We can't talk about what? What can we not talk about remember. anymore? Oh, no, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, the, the D word. Yeah, I'm giving, right. I'm giving you an yeah. um, evil eye. Because I can't talk about <laughs> yes. the thing that is the most salient to my day. Right. Maggie got food poisoning. Yeah. And so... There's a there's a certain word that she <laughs> loves to bring up every single episode. I don't and love it. You kind of love it. It just is. You I love it. Love that word. I do. I'm like a 12 year old boy, it, and you <laughs> want everyone to hear you. Is it too stereotypical to say that 12 year old boys love that word? I think that sounds about right. Okay, good. Okay, so and that's probably a lot of 12 year old it, girls too. But in, yeah, 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 but maybe know. more in private. Okay, we can start. Now that we both know how we're both doing. Please begin. All right. This one comes from Andy. 
Andy, sorry, I put ice in my mouth. I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah, Andy, he did an episode on how he did ayahuasca and stuff. We could totally hear you chewing your ice. You love it? Chomping on it. <laughs> Is that really good audio? Yeah, that's great audio. It's ASMR for those who yeah, like it. Yeah, we have the zipper. We have crunching ice. Okay. Okay, Andy asks, what if you have someone close and they have the best intentions, but the shit they say is always wrong and it fucks with you? <laughs> Should they be held accountable for doing or saying opposite of what you need? Family members especially. They think they're helping and it brings you way down. Oof. What do you do? Andy. That's bringing. That's bringing heavy. We're starting heavy. And then we'll raise it up to the ceiling. <laughs> From the yeah, these dark, are the important questions. Camps. Yeah, that's yeah. big. Do you want to start? Do you want me to I'll, have a stab? I'll take a stab. Yeah, go. And let's and then we can work together and and mm. find our way to are the we middle. Gonna, we'll have a consensus. Maybe or maybe not, but we'll try. I have this problem a lot, and let me just see if I can rephrase and see if Nick agrees. That person that you love or care about, that you're close to, who doesn't seem to maybe understand you and can say things that are really harmful or hurtful and how to either not be impacted as negatively by that or how to communicate to them that they're not being helpful. Does that seem like... Now I'm imagining probably somebody who has different priorities and so they're trying to give advice and they're oh, always yeah. trying to give advice. It's not what you need in your life. Yeah, and, and, it's you, kn- like, and you know it. And it's yeah. like, this is fucking me up. I want you around because I care about you and we're close, but this is damaging to me. That feels like it's pretty true for a lot of people who are, the term is exvangelical that gets thrown around a lot. I bet that's pretty common for people who have gone through deconstruction or left a faith tradition that they grew up in and maybe their family members are not ready for them to have an independent spiritual life and maybe want to give them wisdom of the Bible or wisdom of the church when they're like, that is not helpful material Mm. for me anymore. I feel like that's what I'm seeing the most of lately. And I think it's fair. I think it's fair and reasonable to set boundaries, verbal boundaries. But I also know that that's not well received by people often times might seem antagonistic for you to set boundaries. But I think boundaries are a very important thing to do to protect yourself to protect your sweet little heart what what is the heart to uh, save your heart three stacks no keep your heart it's keep Keep your your heart heart. keep your heart heart. three stacks that reminds me of a piece of advice someone gave me when i was struggling it fucked me up in a good way Mm. but he's like people treat you the way you let them Mm. yeah and i was just like oh god yeah, and that and means, we often yeah. value ourselves at the level that we let people treat us. Mm, if people are treating us like shit, it might mean that we only value ourselves that much. I've had to set some pretty firm boundaries with family members in the last couple of years, and it's been really unpleasant, truthfully. But I think the side note to that is be prepared to let relationships go. You can only be responsible for your own feelings. You can't be responsible mm. for how someone else feels but you you can keep your heart through stacks i'd say similar things i bring up dan savage a lot uh, i think this is only the second time i mention him to friends all the time okay as well uh love advice columnist and he gives the advice to people who are coming out as gay or queer pretty much anything and their family is having a real problem about it he suggests tell your parents you have one year 
You can ask me all the fucked up questions Mm -hmm. you want. I'll give you passes until then. Mm -hmm. But at that time, this is how that will set our relationship standard. Yeah, and he actually suggests kind of leveraging your parents' desire to have you in their life. Mm. I don't think that's manipulative. Parents especially probably have a lot of leverage over the kids, like financially, like are there other <laughs> financially <laughs> and there's just a history and- yeah, there's a, a history of like authority there as you're growing up. And so the one biggest piece of leverage that a person has is my presence. Yeah, in my like I can life. take you myself yeah. out of this. Situation. And so you gotta you gotta decide kind of what you were saying, am I gonna put up with this? Yeah, let's admit that this is toxic. Do I need to have them here so much that I'm willing to suffer? And if you are, then you're making that decision. Yes. You're and choosing you have that? to be accountable for that decision. Yeah. Right. Now, things can get really hairy if you're married to this person who is treating you that way mm-hmm. and you're financially dependent on that person mm-hmm. or if you have kids with that person. Yeah. Oof. So. That's tough. If this is what is needed to like keep a roof over your kid's head. Maybe that's what you got to do. If you can make a, like a personal, my therapist calls it a personal constitution, write your own personal constitution and be prepared with that so that when certain things come up, I am a queer person and a queer ally. And if people in my family start to make gay jokes or misogynist jokes or whatever, jokes that they think are funny that I definitely do not think are funny. Mm -hmm. It's already in my personal constitution that I won't stand for that. And I have an idea of what I would say or how I would respond ahead of time. So it doesn't catch you off guard. So if you can write out your own personal boundaries, you're a little bit more prepared to say like, I am not going to stand for that thing. That thing that you are saying to me is harmful, and here is the consequence to that. I won't see you for the next couple weeks, and if that makes you uncomfortable, then I think you should examine how you want to be in my life. Have that set of boundaries already mapped out so that it's really clear to you. It's kind of like armor in a way, like you're prepared with your responses and your deal breakers. I think that's really important to know your deal breakers, especially in romantic relationships. Yeah. And new new romantic relationships. Like usually it, when it's way too late, you're just like, oh <laughs> shit, like I've been putting up with this for a long time. I wish I had thought about that. <laughs> it's good to know those. And you know, these interventions, that's a whole nother skill set. It's one thing to identify that this isn't what I want, how to bring that up gracefully, probably come in aggressively in somebody's face. That's probably not good. It's probably not going to be helpful. My approach lately is what's the tiniest intervention to nudge people Mm. in the direction of what I want. And I would call that a graceful intervention. The Gottman Institute. Yeah, uh, I love him. John Gottman calls it a soft start. What's the kindest and most gentle way that you can honor the person that you need to have a conflict with? Come to it with curiosity. Acknowledge where they're coming from. How can you build trust in this confrontation? Our friend of the show, Holly, had a mentor of hers refer to it as bringing light, not heat. So bring light to illuminate the situation, not heat to Mm -hmm. inflame the situation. Yeah. 
I'd say if you're wanting to put somebody in their place, you need to take a step back and yeah. examine your motives. But, and and know, then write them the letter. Write yeah. that letter out first. There, it, there are things that are so urgent, though, yeah. that require that amount of energy and, and I think force. But those are the kinds of, And those are the kinds of things that are benefited by a prepared response so that you're not mm-hmm. off the cuff. You know how you feel. You know what you want to say about it when it happens in a moment. And for me, I'm much better writing an email or a letter. I can't always say everything I want to in the moment and out if, loud. And find trusted friends, too, that you can actually do the venting to, that you could do the, I'm so fucking pissed at this person. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's healthy to, to find have those, an outlet. And then you won't bring as much heat when it's time to do the real confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're just solving everybody's problems. Nailed it. How does that feel? One down. Yeah, no. Check it off. Next song. Next song. That's another Tenacious D reference. I know. <laughs> Very good. All right. Do you have a question? Yeah, I do. Give it to me. Okay. This is a much different tack. <laughs> we're yeah, we're zigging and zagging. Who would be, Nick, in your opinion, who would uh-huh. be the funniest fictional character to evangelize? Funny for me or for somebody watching? I think objectively. I think objectively funny. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is any of Jim Carrey's characters. <laughs> like it would, like, like you couldn't like even get a statement out without him like flopping around <laughs> and just being a goofball. Yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> What's the line from the mask? He says, like, and here I am. Or whatever. <laughs> be like, and I love Jesus now. That would be yeah. his, his I think it like Ace Ventura. Okay. Would be yeah. a good silly one. I mean, they're all silly. So Ace Ventura or? I would say any uh, Jim any Carrey Jim, Jim character, Carrey. but uh, okay. Ace Ventura is the one I'm imagining. Okay. I think it would be funny to evangelize Andy Kaufman from the <laughs> from the Jim Carrey movie, Man on yes. the Moon. <laughs> that would be but good, too. But Andy Kaufman in general. That's a good one. I mean, this whole topic brings me back to the idea of there was a song, part of the CCM that was on Christian radio for so long that was about what would cartoon characters say if they got saved. And it was like, they would say hallelujah, but they would say yabba dabba do ya. (laughs) And and they would- I vaguely remember It's really bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's probably the worst song ever written. It's (laughs) so gimmicky. It's really bad. But who's a fictional character? Maybe like Michael from The Office, Michael Scott. I think it would be a funny episode of The Office to mm. watch him just become like a hardcore Christian. What if Toby was evangelizing to Michael? <laughs> he would never do it. He would be like, I hate this religion and everything involved. That That's the most I laughed in that show. All when, Toby and Michael. When he would just, Michael would scream at Toby. <laughs> and nobody really knows why. <laughs> That question was asked by Holly. I think, did I say that? By our former guest, Holly, who is widely beloved, by the way, based on her episode. She's a star. She's an absolute star. But she asked that question, and I have to assume that she had someone in mind. And I oh, would yeah. really like to know who it was. I might have yeah. to call her sometime and ask, but yeah. not now. I also think Lumpy Space Princess. Oh, would from be, Adventure Time? From Adventure Time. Would oh, be my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Don't even tell me what the do. <laughs> I love Jesus so much. 
<laughs> yeah, that's another uh, funny angle. Like if they were the one evangelizing instead oh, of us yeah. evangelizing. Yeah, what if they were evangel? Yeah. Who would you most want to be evangelized by? Mm. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you. I believe in anything you tell me, Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yeah, if Natalie Portman was like knocking on my door. <laughs> Like, hey, what's up? Yes. Are you, talk- are you Can, selling do, do you have, literature? Do you have a minute to uh, talk to me? <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I do. <sighs> I have many minutes. I've just, I've just <laughs> gone to stage four minutes. horny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got another one? Yeah. You got another one for me? Let's do it. Baby, hit me with another Okay, question. Dwayne from our- Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Psychedelic episode. Dwayne the Rock Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Great, yep. What routine of yours would you recommend others try out? Hmm. I would recommend that anybody who wants to try out getting woken up by a three-year-old at 7 a.m. to come to my house and take my spot. And oh, I so will you go don't have to do that? In. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's not really a real recommendation. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. I have maybe a longer answer. Okay. I do have a good answer, but it's short and I can tell you after. Okay. Mine is to do a little journal every day and it's super fast and look back on the day before or if you do it at the end of the day, the day you just had and list what the most meaningful thing about that day was (laughs) and also what the hardest part of the day was. Okay. Or your biggest struggle. Highs and lows. Yeah, highs and lows-ish. And then you're committing the next day to do something to address that hard thing. Okay. And are you doing something to appreciate the meaningful thing? Just reflecting on it. Okay. And so it's embracing a mindset where you know things can get better. Okay. And that you're you're not stuck in what you're doing. I like that. And we can take little steps every day to make things better. And another little thing I do in the same vein is whenever I'm walking through the house and I see something out of place, I grab it. And I might not take it to where it goes. I'll just move it closer. Okay. I just nudge things where they belong. Down their path. And I mean, I still have to like take time to actually clean too. But we can nudge our lives towards the direction that we want. And we don't necessarily need to have like a huge intervention. But if it's part of your routine, if it's something that you're just always doing, then you start moving in a positive direction and you gain momentum. Love it. Similarly, I was trying to think I don't follow a lot of routine right now. I don't have a lot of regular things, but I do. And one of them is very similar to that, where my brain is doing a lot of processing to figure out the least amount of trips it takes to do something. So that's not really a routine, though. That's just something my brain does. So I will go back to what I actually do. And what might be helpful is I make a point to when I know I have to be somewhere to the best of my ability be there at least 30 minutes early, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's a stressful thing or a non-stressful thing, so that I can have 30 minutes of peace to myself to either prepare for what I'm about to do. Any amount of time early is good if you can get there five minutes early or 10 or 15. But Would you do this for meeting up with friends? Sometimes, yeah. So I think it was last week I went to see someone and I made sure that I could be there early so that I could spend some quiet time by myself. I think driving is really stimulating and sometimes overstimulating. And so it's nice to just take a minute before entering into any sort of relationship with someone to quiet my Mm, mind. Um, And it always makes me feel more prepared, more settled, less anxious, Mm -hmm. especially if I'm going into like a work day or playing music. For instance, if you had a gig showing up with enough time to set up and then have some extra time so you're not like, I've set up and now I have to start. 
Mm-hmm. It feels, it feels. I like that. That's like part that. of my regular routine. I just think about how often I'm bustling in to a situation. There's probably a lot of that energy that affects the interaction that I don't even think about. I think that it comes from a kind of a negative starting point for me. I grew up in a house with my dad was a commercial airline pilot. And so like he had to be at work two hours early so that he could check the aircraft to make sure it didn't crash. (laughs) Right? Like that all the components were in the right places. So there was quite a bit required of him for being early. And if you're not early, it can be dangerous. So that was kind of the environment that I grew up in was be on time, be early so that you can make sure that you get what you need to get done done. And then you can take your break time, which was very intense. He's really a hard person to meet as far as expectations for timeliness. And my husband is not as stringent about being on time places. So we've had some conflicts over. We have to go. We have to get out the door. Why are you taking so long? (laughs) Why did you choose right now to clip your fingernails or whatever? (laughs) But I found that I really enjoy that little extra time. I think that's probably a big cause of stress in relationships. Nobody's Mm -hmm. ever going to be right on the same page of how soon we need to leave and how much time to give yourself. I mean, I've experienced that countless times. My partner and I, I think if I look at it from the most generous angle, it's like he balances out my anxiety about being places early or on time. Especially if I'm already late, he'll be like, we're already late. Just relax. There's no reason to stress out now. We're already late. (laughs) And that actually helps a lot to have that perspective of there's nothing I can do about this except for feel like shit. And (laughs) what's the point of feeling like shit right now? And I think I help him to be more, quote unquote, responsible about time or like Mm -hmm. be better at time management so that he can accomplish more. We build each other up. Okay. You ready? You ready? Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Should I hit you? Okay. Hit me with one. I'm going to hit you in the face. (laughs) In the nose. (laughs) Please don't. Okay. What What do we, Nick and Maggie, think Jesus' sex life looked like? Oh, and who is this from? This is from Rob. Who was also on one of our episodes. Was he? Oh, wait. Who was Rob? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Shout out Rob. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob. I have seen him in a while. All right. <laughs> we, we were just talking we, we were about this. We were just talking about this. <laughs> we were and just I'll repeat, joking about it. I said, it. Uh, I think Jesus and Mary Magdalene banged mm. a lot. I think they were like partners. Is this you admitting that you believe that Jesus is a historical person? Sure. Okay. And Mary Magdalene was a historical woman. I I don't want to use the word believe. Like, (laughs) this has, like, some... um, Do you believe Jimmy, you know, Wallingford (laughs) back in 1786? Do you believe he walked on Earth? Like, I don't... I guess. Jimmy Wallingford. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Okay, but... Sure. So if there was a Jesus and there was a Mary Magdalene, they were fucking. Yeah. Okay. From what I'm reading in the Bible. Because she's hot. They had something going on. They weren't just, (laughs) they weren't just hanging out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. She she was really into him. Yeah. Something was going on there for sure. Regardless of whether that's what is reported in the Bible is real or fiction, according to those accounts. And according to the Da Vinci Code. And according to the Da Vinci Code, that's right. <laughs> Which is basically gospel. <laughs> Canonized. That was a good book. I liked it. The I ending agree. was weird, but... I like the movie, too. T. Hanks. T. Hanks. That's right. 
I feel like this brings up a subject that I've thought about quite a bit, which is like Jesus masturbating. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, Jesus masturbation. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> okay, here's the thing: when we talk about perfection, if given the presupposition that Jesus was perfect, and we're so going to put ourselves suspend my in, disbelief. Yes, suspend okay. your disbelief. Put yourself back in. Even I don't even understand what perfect means. Exactly. Like, that that's what even... I'm going to talk about. Okay. Okay. Like... So a lot of people talk about Jesus as if he was the perfect example of humanity, right? But Jesus was a baby who theoretically shit in his diaper Mm -hmm. and like cried and got sick. And in modern society, we see those things as categorically bad. I don't. Poopy, poopy, smelly things. I mean, it's inconvenient. Right. But maybe not what a lot of people, especially a lot of evangelicals, might consider perfect. And so if we can assume that human bodily function was a part of the life of Jesus, then like his humanity was not neutered. He wasn't born without waste production body parts, right? He pooped and peed and... Is he like a Kindle without the, any genitals? I think that there are a lot of Christians who would like to believe that he was, right? Mm-hmm. That he was like a Kendall with no need to go off into the woods and poop in a hole. So if I can imagine, yes, he was a human person in every single way, then he definitely pooped and peed. And he definitely had emissions of some sort, because that is what I understand to be the experience of every male that I've ever known, ejaculating, whether from your own impetus or, or nocturnally without stimulation. Right? Without manual. Manual stimulation. stimulation. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Auto... Auto... Auto masturbating. Masturbating. (laughs) And so I truly believe that part of being the perfect creation that he was included masturbation. Sure. Because I think that that is part of the human experience that born male or female would have been part of any 12-year-old boy or a 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 or 30-year-old man's experience. So I think Jesus was a masturbator. And, and maybe I mean, if you're embodying... and maybe he thought about Mary Magdalene. <laughs> yeah, and maybe he came on her tits. Yeah, maybe. And he came and it was loving. Tits. Yeah, they enjoyed it together. Yeah, and maybe they had children, according to Dan Brown, author of the Da Vinci Code. And to be a human embodiment would be to be sexual, mm-hmm. and also to not have complete insight into everything. Yes. And to make damaging choices sometimes and to learn. Yep. One of my students who is like eight, he was like, perfection is fake news. (laughs) That's really good. good. That's really good. That's the tagline for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people push this idea. I don't get it. Okay. Are we ready for another one? Let's move on. Okay. Let's roll through them. Amanda has a couple questions here. Okay. One is... Hi, Amanda. God, I love oh, you. Yeah. Amanda You're so cute. Is who the one who does our, our intro at the beginning. She's got great style. Yeah. And, and great pasties. And my partner. Okay. Why do 100% of missionaries dress like dweebs? <laughs> Always. Uh, and she's she's lived abroad in several different places for years. And... She said they're darkly dressed like 100% of the time and therefore very easy to spot. (laughs) Ugly sneakers, sweatshirts, unstylish jeans, Uh. and very friendly and social Uh. equals missionary. (laughs) Except for the Mormons 
who wear suits. You know, they look sharp, but they have a stick up their ass. Is that part of her question, or is that your editorializing? Well, she mentioned the Mormons, not in those exact okay. words, but she lived in Korea. Was one of the places she lived, and you could tell by their could, giant like, chunky Reeboks stood out. And part of what she brought up too is it seems to be a very white thing hmm. to go on mission trips, and is this a white savior mentality? Uh, like, yes, one hundred percent. I'm going to go save all the brown people. Yes. In the world. Yes, that is true. Cool. And just shout out to other churchgoers that I know who are very, very against missions mm. in general. I've been on a number of mission trips. But were you in your heart and head like, I'm doing this because I want more people to be saved? Yeah. Or are you like, I'm I did. doing this because I want to help people and serve people? I think it was more because I want people to be saved. Mm. Interesting. Uh, which... I would say, looking back at it now, I'd yeah. much rather somebody just be like, I want to help you how you need to be helped. Yeah. Or how you Let would me like ask to be you. helped. Let me yeah. ask you how That's you like, would like to be helped. I don't, Can have, I, do I don't have answers for you. But about the clothes? Yeah. Yeah. I do want to say that there's a particular ministry out of Seattle called Price Ministries that takes the the sample items from a particular very upscale department store. I cannot say the name of it, but- they take the sample sizes that get thrown out. They have connection with this particular department store. And so the department store sends them all the samples and they send those to missionaries. So there are some missionaries who have gotten their clothes through Price Ministries who are very, very well-dressed and not nerdy because they're wearing very expensive brand. It's got to be a hard line to walk to unless you're one of those prosperity Christians where yeah. I got to show off how much wealth I have in that shows how yeah. much favor I have with God. But do you dress like the people who you're visiting? Yeah. And that's I maybe think... not authentic? Or do you dress nice? Do you dress down? Like... There's a lot of... I know that when I've been to... I mean, not I've never been on mission missions trips. I've never been on a missions trip. But if there were places where I've been where culturally it was inappropriate to wear certain clothes going through Latin America and going into Catholic churches because I was interested in the architecture and the beauty of it. Don't wear your shortest shorts and your most cleavage tank tops. It was just a matter of honoring and respecting a tradition. But I think that that's often the case with missionaries is when they go to a place, they dress how they assume is the most modest that they can possibly dress and the least assuming. But Amanda is right that they usually stick out like sore thumbs because yeah. they're not adapting to the culture at all. Also, there is a mindset for a lot of missionaries who are on mission to evangelize that they are supposed to be in the world, but not of it. That is a scriptural quote. And so Something I don't need too stylish. Yeah, I don't need to bl the bl world. or I don't need to adapt to a culture. I'm here to bring white American Jesus to the world. I look so. like a dweeb. I look it. like a big fat dweeb with my giant chunky Reeboks, all white Reeboks, and but scuffed up real and hard. High rise cargo shorts. Yes, and mm -hmm. a sweatshirt. Yeah. Okay, follow up question. Yep. This is directed to you, Maggie. Okay, Amanda. <laughs> Can you do it in Amanda's voice, please? No. Come on. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Not gonna do it. Oh, I didn't write this down. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase. Okay. She has a hard time with evangelicalism. Yeah. And thinking that other people have to be like me yeah. in order for them to be okay. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about how you don't identify as that anymore, but you still work for these communities yep. and support them 
mm-hmm. in many ways help them thrive. And yes, oof. Uh, talk about it. Okay. Yikes. Hey, Amanda. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> e- well, I think I've talked about some of this, and I will say that I believe that the work that I do is related to transcendence that comes through music, whether that is Christian music or not. I have played other people's music and had the same experience that isn't worship music or isn't Christian music at all. I'm sure that there is music that most people who listen to this podcast have listened to that is not related to Christian music at all, that is transcendent in some way, where they've felt lifted off the ground or um, really deeply moved spiritually or emotionally based on music. And I believe that there's something really powerful in that. And I believe that I have the gift or the ability to share that with others through leadership. And I want people to experience that. I feel like it's kind of the same as Dwayne talking about, I've had this experience with psychedelics. I'm not going to tell everybody that they need to do psychedelics. But like, if someone came to me and said, tell me about psychedelics, I would share my information with them and I would potentially do psychedelics with them or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about the ministry that I'm involved in. I feel like I have something to offer to people who are looking for that particular thing. I do not go out on a street corner and play <laughs> play worship songs and be like, you got to try this, everybody. That's I think that's the difference between evangelizing and not. It doesn't bother me if the people in my life ever experience that or don't. But for the people who do want to experience it, I feel like I can facilitate it. Mm-hmm. And that I get a lot out of it. And I feel like they get something out of it. And I'm appreciated in that place. I have chosen over the last couple of years to limit the places where I do that. And I've quit three jobs now. <laughs> Because I was witnessing harm being done and couldn't justify continuing to work for places where harm was being done that I could see. I think I have landed at a place where I feel pretty strongly that more good is being done than harm. There's a lot of homeless people being fed in our area that are not being evangelized to. The goal is not to talk about Jesus. It's just to give food and people come. So would you say those groups are not evangelical that are going out and doing that? Correct. Or they hold that part of them back? No, it's they don't have a desire to spread the quote unquote good news of Jesus. They don't have a desire to do that. Okay, so I would say that's not a evangelical. Yeah, it's not evangelical. It's service oriented because of love that originates at love from and for God and overflows into love for and from people. So just loving your neighbor, loving your fellow human in the ways that hopefully they need and not showing up and being like, here's what you need. You Mm. need this and telling them, but offering something and letting them take that thing if they want it and decline that thing if they don't. I would draw a parallel maybe to some of the jobs I've had. Mm. I had a pretty dope job. Uh, it was like at an invention laboratory. Mm-hmm. And that part of it was awesome. We were probably doing the most in the world to eradicate malaria. Yeah. But the company as a whole were like patent trolls. Yeah. Basically, they would buy Just... up patents and sit on them and then and pretty, sue yeah, anyone who tries. Pretty publicly shamed for being patent trolls. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's 
It's like, okay, I have my little corner of this maybe toxic company Mm -hmm. that's doing a lot of good and lots of cool people. And we're all just learning a lot and supporting each other. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any means. I mean, there's kind of the cancel culture mentality where it's all or nothing. And we'll look at something and be like, evangelical, bad. I can't have anything to do with them. Yes. I can't interact with them or do anything that might perpetuate what they're... Harm, any harm. That well, or perpetuate evangelicalism. Yeah, yes, exactly. By, I mean, which arguably you might be doing yeah. when you're leading worship. I will but, say, though, I don't tithe. I don't give to a church community, but I do get paid by them. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually taking from, <laughs> from them. But, I mean, you're also giving your skills yeah. and your attention. Similarly, when I teach, I'm supporting, I think... The education system's really fucked up, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty conflicted. I think I'm a good force in these kids' lives. Yeah. I could just be like, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Because there's all sorts of things wrong. But there's that kind of double edged sword that comes up a lot in Western culture, which is the good cop, bad cop, or the like bad apple in the bunch thing. Like, if the institution is f- flawed and bad, and all institutions are flawed. Right. But if it's like, actually perpetuating harm like the church does or like the education system does or like the police department does but there are people from the inside who are actively trying to change it if those people say i have to stop doing this because i'm part of an institution that's causing harm then there's nobody left who's doing the work to try and change it and so that's the paradox that i have found myself in a lot is do i do i stay in the church and try to make differences from the inside from a position of leadership or do i step out and try and have influence in a world that undervalues me and i am valued highly in the institution of the church but i don't have the same amount of value outside of the church in the same like influence in the same simple, influence yeah. yeah like i'm never going to be a pop star i don't have the talent or the ambition or the drive to be a pop star so i can't have the same amount of influence on the same amount of people That's as i do within the church. So I do have a position of power and authority to be able to say, instead of doing all white, all homophobic Christian artists this Sunday, we're going to do a diverse swath. We're going to do all music by queer artists. We're going to do all music by people of color. And I have that authority to make those choices. And that makes a step of progress in a church that has been mired in isolation and fear and white flight. And I want to be a part of it. And I feel like I am a part of good change and reform that's important. I think that's an awesome answer. You did not shy away. And also, Amanda, if you ever want to hear about Jesus, I'm happy. JK, JK, JK. I don't want to talk about it. Show up at her door. <laughs> with with a pamphlet. With a pamphlet, yeah. A, a the track. track. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's funny. And that's a good reminder that we're all trying to fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have different ways of doing that. Yeah. You, I'm, you don't I'm, have to be aggro, be a warrior. And I feel like the work that I'm doing is fighting for justice and equality and love in an institution that is on a vast majority trying to promote hate at this time in history. (laughs) So there's got to be one good apple. I'm going to ask another question. Yeah, do it. Ready. All right. This one's one of my favorites. This is from Shanna. Hello, Shanna. I love her. (laughs) She's in in Portland right now. She is. And I miss her. Oh, you're... 
Maggie's tearing up. I'm not. Shut up. I went to <laughs> Portland two weeks ago to visit her, and we had a really fancy dinner. It was really, really Ooh, fun. Where'd you go? We went to a place called Quantrell okay. for dinner. We had a five-course meal. It's the most I've taken care of myself in a really, really long time. Just two days with my best friend, mm-hmm. eating good food and watching. Portland has some of the best food YouTube. around. Yeah. As a city, I it's think. It's really good. Shout out best, to Portland. The best restaurants. If Portland wants to sponsor whole... us <laughs> as a podcast, I'd be happy the to. municipality of Portland. <laughs> I'd be happy to do commercials for <laughs> the municipality we'll of Portland. City of Roses, home yeah. of Nike Town. Well, that's Beaverton. No, Nike Town is where the first the first Nike Storm. Town was in Portland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Anyway, Shanna asks. Yes. Ready. Nick, Maggie, which deity is the most bangable? <laughs> totally the one in Hinduism with lots of Ganesh. Arms. Yeah, Ganesh. I, that is exactly who I thought too. There is so much that those arms could do. They could be everywhere. Yeah. Imagine just being pet or massaged by 10 people all at once. But also Jim Caviezel. I don't know who that He is. played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. Mm, okay. He was very, very ripped and sculpted and beautiful. But also Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. Is she a deity? Yeah. Hell yeah, she is. Okay. She's the elven queen. I okay, think she's it. Cool. She's so powerful. Terrible and beautiful. There was in Sandman, and I was telling Amanda about it, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's like a real god. And it was voluptuous lady body with a cat head. Ooh, that sounds good. That sounds like an Egyptian I think it was Egyptian. That sounds like Set or something. Also Thor. Mm, Thor. Yeah. Princess Jasmine. (laughs) She's a princess. She's not a god. Not a deity. No. Ariel. (laughs) Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Uh, if we're going to start talking about cartoon characters, Dimitri from Anastasia, I had a full-blown crush on that guy. And also Finn from Adventure Time. Oof. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's young. He's a little baby boy, but... You know. There was a follow-up episode where he's old. I'm into it. You should check it out. Okay. See if you still want to I be might. in that. I might. Okay. Oh, Finn. Good old Finn the human. Finn the human. That's right. Okay, do we have anything else I to say I would probably that? also bang Jake the dog, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'm a threesome? Yeah. <laughs> Great. There's a lot of cartoon characters I would go for. Yes. Sorry, we got away from deities, and I didn't want to be offensive about Hindu culture, but like, it's got a lot of arms. I mean, and Shiva too, like, yeah. I would go there. Yeah. I would say if we had to pick one religion where you could just bang all the, all the deities. No, I would go straight for Greek. All the Greek gods, oh, shit, gods yeah. and goddesses. I mean, that's pretty good too. Zeus is like the archetypal, really likes it rough kind of asshole man who will have sex and ghost you. And you're into I it. I think I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. And then Apollo on his golden chariot. The Egyptian gods were, were pretty dope. Yeah, Egyptian gods are pretty dope. Coyote head. Ooh, I would, yeah, coyote head's interesting. <laughs> I think that, is that Ra? Ra the, sun, Ra the sun god, no. I don't know. Okay. Isn't there No, that was Iris set. Isn't coyote something? head? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything. Isis was one. Isis. But I would get down with some Greek gods. Narcissus. That's a flower, right? Well, yes, but <laughs> was a Greek They god. named a god after a flower? No. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be Persephone. Because she got dragged to Hades. Oh, we had a... And she had to like be Hades' concubine for six months out of the year. And I'm like, kind of into that too. Maybe Hades. We had a Persephone sex party (sighs) 
like nice. a few months ago. Did you eat blackberry? And it was like six of us. We had uh, pomegranates. Yes. I was Hades. Yes, yes. And friends were Demeter and Demeter. Who was? I feel like if I were going to be a the messenger god, god who Hermes had to go bring Persephone back. Yes, Hermes. Hermes, and then somebody was a water nymph. A naiad. Cool. It was awesome. Yeah, we all dressed up and it was hot. Let's get down with Greek mythology. Greek mythology sex parties. Cool. Is my new thing. Okay, I have one more, but it's like four questions. Okay, well, that'll be our closer. Okay, cool. And we'll try to keep them maybe shorter. Okay. So this is from Ashley. Hey! What up, Ashley? And I'm very excited that you are excited about our podcast. It's awesome. Thanks, Ashley. What moment stands out to you as the most or one of the most important moments of self-awareness, and how did it change your path? Both of us? To both of us. Yeah, yeah. I have a particular moment. I had no prep for this question, by the way, but I immediately knew what I was going to say. For the first time right now. I remember in high school, my freshman year of high school, I was really, really nervous about what I was going to wear. And there was a day where, you know, my mom hadn't done my laundry (laughs) because my mom did my laundry and I was really upset about it because I had to wear the same pair of pants two days in a row. And I was basically traumatized because the pants you wore or the clothes you wore were like everything in freshman year of high school. And I wore the same pair of pants two days in a row. And I recognized that literally nobody noticed, like nobody noticed or cared. And even if they did, they weren't going to say anything. Everyone just went about their business. And I remember going into the bathroom and watching someone fussing over their makeup. And I was like, the things that you're doing are not noticeable. I can't tell. And I had this moment of self-reflection where I was like, nobody cares as much about me as I do. Nobody does. Stop giving a shit. And I stopped. I still care how I look and how I am perceived, but I can still have a step away from myself moment and be like, nobody cares as much as you do about this thing. Stop worrying about what you look like in the mirror. Or, I mean, you can do it for yourself. Yeah. But people are not going to... But not out of obligation or fear. And people are so much more interested in themselves than they are in you. And maybe they're interested in your intellect or your personality or how you emote. But But not your stupid pants. But not my stupid pants. So like, get over it. Wear what you want. That's my answer. Mine, I was in a very bad relationship And I'd say it was emotionally abusive. And later finding, it's actually the same advice that I just told you for Andy, which was people treat you the way you let them. Mm -hmm. A friend told me that, someone who I really respected. That just floored me. And Mm. it's something I had to process for a long time. But realizing I had some amount of responsibility, yeah, which was interesting. I wasn't just completely a victim. I mean, yeah, shitty things happen to me for sure. And there is some of that victimness for... Yeah, yeah. you can be a victim and they can be accountable. Yeah, but also realizing I was bringing something to this dynamic. And you also have the power to change it. Right. And so that's when I think I started trying to figure out my boundaries Hmm. and my needs. I remember somebody asked me around that time, what are your needs? I had no answer. Yeah. For them. I was like, food and oxygen. (laughs) I'm glad that you moved into a new phase from that. It took a while. It wasn't just like a light switch at all. I want to save that question because I feel like we could do an entire episode on personal insights that we've had over time. So thanks, Ashley. Good one. Should I ask our other ones? Yeah. Okay. 
What alternative methods would you recommend to someone trying to remove a blockage and has tried traditional methods? So some examples might be therapy, drugs, certain experiences. Hmm. Nature, for sure. For me, at least. I would recommend time in a mountain or near an ocean and digging your hands into soil. That's been helpful for me. Mm -hmm. That's what I need. Connecting with the earth. Yep. I would say therapy of any kind, doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. And meditation has been huge for me. The amount of growth. It's kind of a slow burn. Unclenching the fist. Unclenching the fist of the mind. Oh, you remember that. Yeah. Of course I do. That's that's a big one. And it's something I've been doing almost every day for like three years. And it's still profound. But it's not profound every day. Do you feel like like little things? You're like, oh, maybe that was about that. Do you feel like you can look back at your history with meditation and say, I can see or remember a place where I was blocked and now I'm not blocked and meditation helped facilitate that? Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. I think a lot about the self-awareness about how I'm the creator of my experience, less so the circumstances out in the world. Yeah. There's all sorts of chaotic whatever is happening out there, but I'm the one that has a problem with it mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. And so what can I do to... To shake it. To, to shake it. Yeah. And I've actually realized that with the routines that Dwayne was asking about, where I try to address one tough thing every day, usually that ends up being something in my own head. There's something I can work on myself yeah. in that situation. It's not about trying to fix the world out there. It's yeah. usually fixing something within me. I will say with my meditation, I was also studying Buddhism just real hard. So I think that had a lot to do with it. So I can't really divorce meditation from my intense study of Buddhism. So your mileage may vary. Craniosacral therapy has been Mm -hmm. very, very helpful for me to release things. I wouldn't necessarily call them blockages, but releasing trauma. Craniosacral therapy has been really helpful for that. And diet, diet and nutrition I was exercise. I think just taking care of taking care of that bod, the most basic things. And I I equate that to being in nature as well, that that's a physical thing you can do to actually heal your body and doing cleanses every once in a while. I don't mean to make the joke of how to unblock, take Miralax, but like (laughs) doing a cleanse every once in a while and really resetting your gut can be really helpful. Thank you, Ashley. You had more questions. And thanks, Ashley. I think they're worth getting to more in depth. We're going to come back to those. Hey. So, Maggie. This was a good talk. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Let's do this again. I like that. Let's do it again. I liked it too. Yeah, so send in some questions if you got them. Or fan fan art. If you want to do some fan art of of the Greek gods getting down, we're into that. Or cartoon characters evangelizing. Yeah. (laughs) I would love fan fiction based on this. I remember who it was. I remember who it was that I was thinking I would want to evangelize to. And it was Steve Urkel. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) What an archetype. Like in the 80s, that's what we imagined. Yeah. Geekiness to be nerds. Yeah, but I do want to say, I can't say a lot because I'm a white woman. I'm a white person in general. But I do want to say that I think that it was important to show a different type of black person on a television show. Oh, yeah. Instead of it being like... I loved the character. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I did too. I was a big fan. And Stefan Urkel, I mean... Stefan Urkel. Hubba, hubba, (laughs) hubba. Yeah. Family matters. Check it out. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Laura Winslow. Mm. Laura Winslow. Get it. All the Winslows. 
That was a good family. Yeah. I would want to be adopted by the Winslows. Me too. Let's try. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> what the if crossover. we were adopted by the Winslows? <laughs> that was the end? The end. Hey, everybody. Thanks for, Thanks for spending listening. some time with us. I was sitting in a dude. I'm trying to do the lumber Monster girl. mash? Oh. No, no. because... <laughs> It sounded like I a monster mash. I don't want Andy to think that his song sounds like the monster mash. No, you singing that. No. <laughs> ah, sipping on something to drink and I don't know the words. <laughs> it's a minty drink. Oh, a minty uh, drink. If you enjoy our show, have a conversation about some of these topics. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Just smash it. <laughs> or tell somebody about us, but not because we're telling you to evangelize on our behalf but not because we're gods and we demand it of you but because you want to sure it's your choice it's your choice it's your life live it live hard it. live it live oh, it real hard. so hard become a warrior for love or a warrior for whatever you think matters we don't care what you believe just show us <laughs> how you treat people just be cool with everyone cool. all right let's shut her down okay love y'all love you bye bye Who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl, what's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone?